Hey, and welcome to the Braveheart Talks podcast, where we will be discussing some meaningful and insightful topics into the life of everyday women. You know, one of the greatest lies we allow ourselves to believe is, it's only me. No one else thinks like this, and no one else struggles with this. But the truth of the matter is, no matter what age, stage or life placement you find yourself in, women are women and we are complex creatures navigating life through a torrent of emotions, hormones and relationships. My prayer is that during these conversations, we help your life get a little better and you get a little better at life. My name is Emma Bryant and who knows, by the end of this podcast, we may be new best friends. Well, hey, and welcome to the podcast, Braveheart Talks. We're so excited that you've tuned in and joined us today. And today I have a special guest with me, and it is my dear friend, Josie Carignan. Have I said that right, Josie? Have I said yes, your name you right? Yes, you said it so well. I get tongue tied. <laughs> well But Josie and I, um, we met last year and actually it was on a Zoom, wasn't it? We were both part of the original collective um, through Charlotte Gamble and you were, you're in the USA, you and your, your husband, you pastor Uncommon Church out in Texas and you yes. guys are doing an incredible job, Matt, I just say. If you want to check them out, oh, go and you, check friend. out the Instagram's Uncommon Church TV and um, go and see all that they're doing. These guys are killing it out in Texas. And I'm really inspired every time I jump on and see uh, the work that you, you're doing out there. So we, we met over Zoom mm. and then um, last year, at the back end of last year, you actually managed to navigate your way over to Liverpool and I did yeah it was so fun to meet in person and you came and we went out for dinner and there was just this connection right we just like it was such a god thing hit it off we discovered that we just had so much in common um through our ages and stages of natural life marriage and parenting and then also our story and journey throughout church and we just could relate to each other in so many ways and and so we had such um great conversation and so I'm delighted that you've popped on to help me to do this podcast today thank you for having me it is such an honor and yeah I just have to echo that like it was so neat just how God connected our paths and then hearing how our stories were so similar was such an encouragement. So cheering you on and everything that's happening with Braveheart and Liverpool One Church, it's just amazing and inspiring. So, so glad to be here today. I know, I know. We even had Sweden in common, right? Because you've got Swedish roots and yes. I'd spent some time in Sweden. And then we found out that somehow, some way it looked like our paths and our friendship circles even in the Netherlands had crossed so yeah, yeah we so believe weird. that um <laughs> God is in this friendship um, yes but I wanted to talk to you around a subject that I actually think you and I we talk about it quite often without calling it what it is and that is around the subject of um the what oh gosh what have I called <laughs> the beauty of flaws I couldn't <laughs> even remember the beauty of flaws and mm. I think that 
over the, the, the 12 months or so that we've known each other, we will have telephone conversations and we often talk about flaws and we often talk about the, the areas we feel that we have perhaps not got it right in or what we find our struggles are in. And so I began to think around some of this, the conversations that we'd had, but also I could not shake this title off the beauty of flaws because there is such a beauty found within our flaws. And um, I wanted to springboard this conversation into um, into into place by just re- um, recalling something that I'd recently written, and it was around um, diamonds. And actually, it says that flaws are found in diamonds. And years ago, when people would um, purchase diamonds, they didn't want to, pl- uh, uh, to purchase any of the diamonds that had these things in it. They called them inclusions. And nobody wanted to purchase the diamonds that had inclusions in them because the inclusion was said to be a flaw in the diamond. But actually, as years have gone on, um, they have discovered that actually it's the inclusions in the diamonds that makes them unique and that every inclusion tells a story. It says where the diamond comes from, it tells you the history of it. It tells you how old it is. And actually more recent research has discovered that there's only less than 1% of diamonds that don't have inclusions, like most of them have Mm. these flaws. And I began to think about that and thought we have inclusions in our lives. We have flaws And I actually think that it's our flaws that tell our story. So I just wanted to talk around that for a few moments and ask you, like, how would you best describe a flaw in our lives? And what do you think that the most common flaws that us girls have, what we struggle with? Well, you know, first of all, I just want to say, I think it's so funny how we focus so much on our flaws even like if you're inspecting a diamond and you're looking at it it's like you're drawn to see like well is there a flaw in this diamond is there an inclusion what am I seeing in this diamond and I think we so often look at our lives and there's all this amazing stuff happening and God is doing great things and there's so many parts of our personality and life that's amazing but what are we focused on our flaw (laughs) it's like it glares at us and stares at us and it's the one thing we focus on so often and it can trap us um, and frees us from taking action, from leading, from getting involved, from making friends, because all we focus on is that. So really, I think what it is, it's just an imperfection, whether it's perceived or whether it's real, it's an imperfection or a flaw that we wish wasn't there in our lives. And, you know, and, and I kind of want to separate it too, because sometimes we talk about imperfection and as Christians, you know, we're called to be holy as God is holy and be perfect as I am perfect. And we can sometimes have this false view that we have to be perfect because we're Christian. And I think that that is a lie of the enemy. Yes, we should try to be holy. So when we're talking about imperfections, we're not actually talking about sin issues because we should strive to be like Jesus. Sin issues are things that we're always working on. And of course, we ask God to... Um, work in our lives to become better in those areas and overcome those weaknesses, if you will. But imperfections, when I think about it, or a flaw in this way, I think more so like quirks in our personality, or I'm not as skinny as her, or I'm not as outspoken as her, and I don't have this gifting. I think that's where the enemy has us focus because it shows our limitations. 
And he gets us stuck in our limitations instead of actually focusing on where our strengths are and where God has called us to be bold and to be strong and to use our gifts and talents. And so we end up not having an impact to the extent that we could because we get so stuck looking at our imperfections. I love that. It's like having a great big white screen and that like one little tiny dot on the screen and you don't notice the, you know, 98%, 99% of white, you notice the one dot that's driving you mad. And, and yeah, that's what it looks like. I mean, we do it in the natural, don't we? We look at our external body and we pick out all of our flaws. Um, and, and, but, but you are absolutely right we have as many, if not more internal flaws in our character and our personality and our attitude. And, um, and so what do you think that girls would naturally use as a yardstick for perfection? Like what do we look to and go, that's perfect. And, and, and why do we waste so much of our time trying to, because time is precious, life is precious. And we waste so much of our time trying to reach this place of perfection, whether it's externally or internally, we're striving to just keep getting that bit of us better and right. Why do you think we do that? You know, I wish that nobody did because it's so silly and I want myself to stop just as much as everybody else. And, um, and I will say this, the older I get, the easier this becomes for me. And I'm like a person. So now I'm 46 and in my twenties, this was so much harder for me. So I want to just encourage you girls to like keep working on this area of embracing your flaws. And I think that um, the yardstick of perfection is different for everybody. I think we create in our minds this ideal person that we want to be because I talk to people who, if they are gifted in one area or they're super quiet, they might want to be like this bold person that they know. And if they're really outspoken, they're like, I'm so abrasive. I wish I was more tactful, like so-and-so. And as far as the outward, we look at, you know, who seems successful, who seems to have it all together. Maybe it's on Instagram, maybe it's in fashion magazines, whatever. And we create this ideal person in our minds that we wish we could be. Yeah. But instead, God's the one who created us intentionally. And the Bible says perfectly. And the Bible says beautifully. And the flaws that we have, the personality that we have, and the body that we have, the color of hair that we have was intentional by him. And he's the only one who gets to define our value. And when we forget that he created us and finding our identity in him, we start striving for that yardstick instead. Yeah, I think that's absolutely true. I'm just sitting here and I'm, I'm reminding myself of uh, the, the scripture in Genesis, when it talks about how um, the enemy, how Satan came and he tempted Eve and actually what he tempted her with, it wasn't with the fruit, but it was with the promise of if you eat this fruit, you will become more like God. And in that moment, she'd forgot who she actually was because the word tells us that she was already made in his image. So he was actually presenting a complete lie to her, telling her, you know, you know, you can be like God, but actually she 
already was like God. And, and it's the same for each and every one of us, isn't it? We are already made in the image of our creator, right down to our DNA. And so the best thing that we can do is embrace who you are. I think we can always work on areas to improve, especially like when it yeah. comes to to um, our character um, when it comes to our attitude, because all of those have flaws, you know, where we are flawed people. Then yeah. what, what do you think, what does God have to say about our imperfections? Because we would criticize well, them and we would say, you know, um, I'm no good because of, or I think less of myself because of. But what, what do you think God has to say about our imperfections? Well, you know, I don't think he sees them as imperfections. There's a verse that says, you're beautiful, my darling. There's no flaw in you. So when he looks at us, he sees us perfect. He sees us how he created us. And when it comes to our shortcomings, he sees us through his son who redeemed us to become the righteousness of God in Christ. So God doesn't see us as flawed. It's the enemy that comes in just like he did in Genesis and says, like, you're not enough. God can't use you. People don't like you. You should be more than this. If you changed in this way, then finally so-and-so would accept you. And it truly keeps us in bondage. And the funny thing is that we're the only ones who can change that. Nobody else can change that um, attitude for you or that perception of yourself for you. Because people can tell you all day long that you're amazing. But unless you believe it in here, when you make a choice to no longer view your flaws as something um, imperfect, but as something that God created in you, you suddenly, they're not a weakness, but they become something where you can see other people with empathy. You can relate to other people. You can embrace the flaws that you would so perceive in yourself. Um, And I think that's what makes us powerful to minister to other people. And to be salt and light and to love other people well. You know, the Bible says that we can't, that we should love others as we love ourselves. So and true. if we can't love ourselves, our flaws included, we can't love other people. And, and I've seen this in my own life. When I'm insecure yeah. in myself, I retreat, I draw back, I don't reach out to people, I don't engage with people because I don't want them to see the flaw in me. No. But when I embrace it and I'm bold to be like, this is who I am, I'm confident in Christ, suddenly I'm not afraid of other people seeing who I truly am and my authenticity and bringing my authentic self to the table enables me to love others well. I love that. It's so true because I think trying to fake it till you make it is quite exhausting. It's, you know... Like in the natural, we try and like we try and hide our scars or our imperfections with clothes or makeup or, you know, we don't want people to see that part of our flesh or that side to us. And so we try and do everything we can to disguise that. But I think when you're doing that internally, it's pretty exhausting because you're constantly trying to keep up appearances and try and be somebody that everybody else wants you to be instead of, like you said, embracing the true you that God designed you to be. And it's, it's okay to be you. It's okay to feel and be real. Um, what, what do you think it is that us girls play the comparison game? Because you see Mm. it so much, um, I'm going to use the phrase in the world, you know, out, yeah. you know, in the workplace, at the gym, 
in the hair salon, wherever. You see the comparison. We're always, you know, girls will look at each other with a big smile, but in a second, the eyes go up and down and you've already checked out. You've sized her up, shaped her up. It's like what she's wearing, who you think she is according to the image that she presents. You make a judgment call on her lifestyle and everything according to the appearance that you see. And I think all women are guilty of it. Then we get saved. Then we come into the church. And then we think that way of life (laughs) is gone from us only to find that the comparison game comes out in the most holy of holy places as well. Because then we start looking at, well, she's always got her hands in the air. She's always praising and raising higher and better than me. And she prays so much holier than me. And I'm sure she must be God's favorite. Or do you know what I'm saying? We, we, we just seem to compete and to compare. Like how damaging is that for us? I think it's very damaging. And I think it's back to that original intent of the enemy in the garden of just trying to lie about our identity. Because if we were truly embracing who we are, there's no need to compare because then we don't have to level ourselves against somebody else. And so the more secure we become in our identity in Christ, obviously, um, and knowing that our value is not in who we are according to somebody else. It's like, do you have pound bills or coins? Yeah, we have pound coins. Okay, so pound coins. So let's say you have two pound coins and one is like 100 years old and one is brand new. They have the same value, but they look different. Yes. And the one doesn't have less, you know, and we look at each other and we judge the outward appearance, but our value is not actually our outward appearance or opportunities and all that stuff. But this world has given us a false measuring stick where it's the accomplishments and the outward appearance that actually is our value. When we get to heaven, God's not going to look at that at all. Yeah. He doesn't, he sees us as valuable because he created us and because he paid a price for us. And so the creator of the pound coin is the one who got (laughs) to um, decide its value. Nobody else gets to change it or anything. And when we compare ourselves, I think it's incredibly damaging because it devalues on the inside who God has made us to be. I mean, it's because we don't know our true identity and our true value. So I think going on that journey with God of what is my actual value helps us um, overcome that comparison game and we can actually celebrate others. Because the only time that we can't is when we're insecure about who we are, because then we have to somehow put yeah. others down. Yeah. It's actually quite insulting to God, right? When we yes. devalue, you know, when we devalue ourselves, when we're critical of who we are and critical of the person we are, we're actually criticizing the one who made us and doing yeah. him discredit. And um, yeah, God loves you and we ought to, we ought to just embrace and love ourselves and, and, you know, continuously be working on ourselves, like we said before, but really just saying, Hey, look, this is me. I think it's trying like trying to lose weight, isn't it? You know, you, you've got this goal in your mind and, but, but you refuse to get on the scales to acknowledge what your starting point. <laughs> You're like, mm-hmm. Oh, you know, mm-hmm. I'll try and like suck it in for a couple of weeks or liquid diet for a couple <laughs> of weeks. Then I will get on those scales. 
when yeah. actually the truth is you need to face up to what you're dealing with now, be honest with yourself, look at that figure on those scales and then go, this is me, okay, but yeah. this is where I want to be. And I think we can do that with our with our character. We can do that with our attitude, but it starts by getting before God and saying, God, this is me. But these are the parts of me that I'm not so happy with. And actually, I don't think that they're honoring to you. So I'm just being honest and I'm asking for your help and your guidance to help me to change as I move forward. Yeah. Josie, is, you know, you and I, we, we have the same job. And we both get the opportunity to stand on platform weeks in and weeks out and, you know, lead people in the ways of Jesus and, and, you know, speak faith and open the word of God and encourage people. People are our job, really. And so we both get to do that. But I know how difficult it is when I'm having, um, when I'm going through a something that's perhaps making me feel insecure or I'm not on my A game or I am majoring on one of my flaws, but I've still got to step up and I've still got to Mm -hmm. do what I'm called to do. And I wanted to ask you, you know, has there ever been a time in your life where you have felt less than, but you've had to keep on going because Sunday's coming and the church is growing (laughs) and the people are needing. And so, you know, what has that looked like for you in your journey? You know, has there ever been a time? There has been a million times. (laughs) And I think for all of us, whatever our role is, whatever our job is, we're always faced with our flaws. And we have a choice then to step out and say, in my weakness, please be strong and not let them disqualify us from doing our best anyway. And for me, um, well, I'll tell one example that anytime, first of all, Small example, if I'm ever fighting with Brad before service or on a Saturday, and this is not as prominent anymore because I don't know about you, but for us- I have no idea what you're talking about. (laughs) We would get along all week, but then on Saturday night or Sunday morning, there was always something. And then I'm like, well, I can't go minister now. Like I have to deal with this thing in my marriage. And I was mean to Brad. What am I now? You know, I can't worship now. And just embracing the forgiveness and grace of God and that it's not about my perfection Um, Another thing for me is one of my big struggles is with just people and acceptance and insecurities and friendships. And I can be in a room full of people and still feel alone. And you know, that whole like imposter syndrome where it's like, nobody wants to hear what I have to say. Everybody thinks I'm weird. And um, there have been times when I walked into a room, even in ministry settings where I'm with other ministers and I just want to hide Because I'm like, oh, nobody in here wants to talk to me. Everybody thinks I'm weird. And we see things through the lens of our insecurity. Mm -hmm. And so people might say something that triggers us, but it really is not about them. It's about our internal narrative. So true. And somehow what they said confirms what's already going on in our head. And we have choice in that moment. We have choice in that moment. And I remember one particular time for me when I was in a green room before a service, and it was like, I was there and I knew other people in the room, but I felt like everybody was ignoring me and they were talking amongst themselves. I'm like, oh my gosh, I knew it. They don't like me. This is horrible. (laughs) But it was not that at all. You know, like I can, but when I'm hurting and when I have that insecurity inside myself, that's how I interpret it. And then I had to go up and minister 
And I could allow myself in that moment to have my value defined by who was talking to me before service or God called me to come and do this. He's asked me to bring a word and I'm doing this in obedience to him. And he's the only one who gets to define my value, not anybody else in this room. And I think that's where it comes from um, is who do we allow to define our value? If we are looking for other people to give us value and tell us how valuable we are, or if we allow how much they like us or promote us or um, embrace us, be the yardstick of our value, we're always going to fall short. But we can get to the place where we allow God to speak value and we can truly hear the things that he's saying through his word about how amazing he thinks we are and how he's so proud of us when we're obedient to him. Insecurity just goes away because I know to him, it doesn't matter if my sermon went well or not well, he's going to love me just the same. If I, you know, if I stumble in my words or if I make a leadership decision that was wrong, it doesn't change his love for me. I might feel like my staff is like, oh man, she's a horrible leader, but (laughs) God doesn't see it that way. He's like, you go girl, come and bring me all your trouble. I love you. I want to embrace you. And so I think for me, that's been the difference. If I can just stop and recognize what's happening, like in that moment in the green room before a service, I'm like, okay, it just so happens that everybody else is talking. I'm not a part of the conversation that does not mean that I'm not valuable and that I have nothing to bring to the table. So So stopping myself in that moment and just reconnecting with God and saying, Hey, who do you say that I am? Have you called me here? I said, yes to you. I'm here because of obedience and love for you. And that's all that matters. That's incredible. And you know, I think insecurity, it's such a thief, you know, uh, you think back to your younger years and you think, I think back to my twenties and I'm like, I feel like I wasted a decade just Mm -hmm. on insecurity alone, just being that caught up with what everybody else thinks, what everybody, the the preconceived ideas I have of the conversations that they're having around me. I mean, I don't know who I thought I was, (laughs) that everybody would be talking about about me. But it's such a lie from the enemy and insecurity, it breeds and it grows. And if you don't learn how to dig it out, um, or, or get over it, move on from it, then honestly, it will steal years from your life. And I loved you said there, yeah. who do you allow to value you? And who do you allow to uh, your identity to be found in? And they are such um, important questions that we all need to ask ourselves. And, um, and you know, and the answer for us is Jesus every single time. It is Jesus. Yeah. And I wanted to ask you the question, what strength is found in us acknowledging our weaknesses rather than trying to make excuses for them? Mm, that's so good. Well, you know, if it's something that's a holiness issue, the Bible says confess your sins one to another. Like we have to repent. If it's something where we struggle with anger, let's say, being in denial about it and pretending like we're perfect, we're never going to overcome it. So if we want to grow in an area, we have to be honest about it, bring it before the Lord with humility and actually repent and say, I'm sorry. I know that this is not Christ-like and I want to strive to be like Jesus. And then I would find accountability you know, for that and embracing that that's something I have to work on. And if it's something that's not a sin issue, but it's just like, okay, 
I'm not good with people or I get super shy or if it's something like that, I think it's easier to just not pretend like you said before, because it's so exhausting. If I'm an introvert, then I'm not just going to be in denial and be with people all the time, but I'm going to have the strength of mind to be honest and say, Hey, I'm an introvert and I can hang out three nights a week, but the other nights I'm going to have to be at home because that's how I recharge. And you don't try to be this person that you're not. And I think confidence, I just want to add this because I think Christians get it wrong sometimes because at least for me, I thought used to think that confidence was pride. Yeah. Because we're always told to be humble and meek. And so I was like, if I am overly confident, that must be prideful. But the Bible actually talks a lot about confidence. And it says, like, do not throw away your confidence. It'll be richly rewarded. But our confidence is in Christ. Our confidence is in knowing who he created us to be. And that's not pride. So if you were like me, where you always tried to walk, I I, I almost thought it was holy have a lack of confidence because I'm like, that means that I'm not thinking too much of myself. And the Bible says that, you know, I should value others more than myself. And you almost apologize for existing. That is not please. That is great advice. That is great advice. Feel free to be confident. It's not pride. I love that. And you know, I think as well, a lot of our insecurity comes from our past. It definitely is. We're not born insecure. It's definitely built into us. It's either something that's happened to us or something that we've done or an environment that we've been in. And it's, it, it breeds this insecurity within us. But what I love about the word of God is that it teaches us that God delivers us from our past, but it doesn't say he gives us amnesia. And so though he delivers us from it, meaning it doesn't have a stronghold over you anymore. It doesn't have a hold on you. You don't forget it. And I love the fact that you don't forget it because it's the memory of it that becomes your story. It becomes your inclusion. And without the memory of your past, you wouldn't have a story to tell. And so, you know, we mustn't get hung up there. People you know, God has delivered you from the hold of the past where that insecurity first came in, where, where you began to, it kind of unpicks you. I think that's what insecurity does. It unpicks you. And yeah, you know what? Sometimes this Christian life can be so complicated because we get caught in the whole, uh, you know, I don't want to be prideful, but you don't want to be walked over either. And I want to walk in humility, yes. but I've got to come across as confident. And I think sometimes being a woman in all of that is even is even worse still. <laughs> you know, yeah, it's um, true. It it really is. But do you think then that it is um, possible for God to use the broken parts of our lives? Yes. So yes, I do think so. Like for myself, I was telling the story of I struggle with insecurity and friendships. And I wasn't born that way, but I experienced a lot of rejection in my younger years. And I haven't forgotten that. And it's like, well, I have these reading glasses. So when I put these glasses on, it's like the lens I see the world through. I had this lens of rejection. And so it's how I saw everything. I interpreted people's actions towards me through my past experience. Yes. And I believe when God brought me healing, 
it's like he removed that lens and allowed me to see clearly again. And that's great. But that doesn't mean that I forgot about the glasses. Like they're still a part of my journey. And I think they actually allow me to be very sensitive to other people. And I have a huge heart to make sure that other women around me feel loved. And I really value community within the girls in our church. That's and I think I, I probably wouldn't have really cared as much about that if it wasn't something that I had experienced. So I think God uses that part of me um, to show empathy, to show love, to build connection among the women in my world. And so I think absolutely our experience is what God uses to allow us to minister to others. Yeah, I'll, yeah, it's so true. It is so true because the Apostle Paul, he was the one who wrote, it's in my weakness that you, God, are strong. And if we yeah. think about that, if we unpack that thought, what he's actually saying is if I didn't have a weakness, there wouldn't be an area for you to show off your strength, you know? And, yeah. and so it's only because I've got flaws that I'm able to walk and carry the presence of God. And God is demonstrated the best in the areas that I fail in the most. So, yeah. you know, and I think, I don't think, you know, we're never going to be perfect. So we might as well, when I say we might as well stop trying, we might as well stop striving, you know? Yes. Yes. We want to be the best that we can be, but there's no place for striving. Um, I just want to finish on this one last question, Jose, and I just want to ask you, what advice would you give to the girl who's listening today, who's perhaps battling with inferiority or insecurity issues? What, what, what could you give her as a take home from this talk today to help, um, to help her set her sights right and get over what she's doubting and feeling? Mm. Well, I would say two things. The first one is this. It's easier said than done, but spend some time with the Holy Spirit. Spend some time with God and allow him to speak to you how he sees you. Just ask him, how do you see me? And whether you have to open the word to read it or if he could just speak into your heart um, and then really treasure and value that and like actually write it down. Like this is what God says, says about me. So when you hear the lies of the enemy that says you're less than and that you're not worthy, you have something to point to and say, no, this is actually what the word of God says about me. This is actually what God says about me. Because you have to retrain the thinking, the thought process that you have about yourself, the lens that you see yourself through. And then secondly, I would say to get into community of healthy, godly women that are further along in the journey than you and be honest about how you feel and allow them to share their stories and help you to grow. Because so often we feel alone in this journey, but you'll find just like we're talking today that everybody that I know that's a woman has battled with this. Yes. And so if you can find people that have actually overcome and they are secure in who they are, they can yeah. help you. Yeah. They can truly help you because they're not insecure in themselves. So they're okay with helping make you better. And that's the kind of people you want to surround yourselves with because they are safe and they are, um, well, the Bible says we will help the older women will help the younger, right? Like in the things that yeah. we've gone through, we can help somebody else when we've overcome, we have the tools needed and we will help other people. 
So true. You know, it's that phrase, isn't it? You go through what you go through so somebody else doesn't have to. And it's it yes. really is. You get close enough to the diamond, you look past the outer glitter and glam, you'll find the inclusion. And, you know, beneath yeah. the surface of every single woman, we have that story of our rejection or our abuse or the pain we carried or the insecurity we've experienced it's in every single one of us. And I think you're absolutely right. It's um, getting before God so that he can release you from the hold it has on you. And then you've just got to beautifully allow that to go. That's part of my story. It wasn't a mistake, right? It was part of my journey. And But, but, but the faithfulness of God, he has the ability to make all things new. Yeah. Josie? I have loved having you on this podcast and I know Thank that we've got me. many, we could just keep talking and talking. I know we could. Yes, and I feel like we're just getting into the good many stuff. Many <laughs> more um, conversations to have. And I would love you to pop back on here again and talk further into the life of our girls. And um, I'd love to get you over to the UK to speak to our girls too. And yeah, it would be so much fun. Well, girls, thank you for tuning in to today's podcast. I hope that you are enjoying them. We'd love to hear your feedback. But I just want to take a moment and encourage you, if you have not yet got your tickets for Braveheart Conference this year, then get them and get them quick because they are going May 26th and 27th. We have got a great lineup for you. Charlotte Gamble is coming and I know she has got a dynamic word to bring to us. We've got the beautiful gender word from across the pond in the US of A. And we've also got the incredible Jake Isaacs coming to join in with our worship team and lead us so beautifully in worship and and I'm so excited and I really feel like God is going to do something powerful because this is something we've never done before and right at the beginning of this conference I believe it's special to be in the room and so get your tickets and if you're coming with a group over 10 we'd love to host you we'd love to group you and sit you together and so please get in touch with us and see how we can help and facilitate you coming to conference this year